Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this identity episode, we will learn about the connection between God's amazing love and your calling. Let's begin with my personal story of a love letter from God that started everything for me. It was 2012 when I was driving home late one night. It was Valentine's Day, and the ladies' church event that night was about God's love. Earlier that day, the Lord had given me the task to write the introduction chapter for my first book, Clips That Move Mountains. It was a confusing assignment because I had only received the download to write that book three weeks earlier. In all my writing experience, it was common knowledge that introductions are nearly the last thing you write, not the first. God's ways are not like our ways, and I was learning to trust and obey God, so I knew that I had to finish that introduction because it was God's plan for me that day. So I prayed that God would tell me what he wanted me to write about. He brought to mind my salvation experience and a special letter that had been lost to me for many years. I remember asking him out loud, God, are you planning on putting that letter back in my hands again after all these years? I was filled with glory bumps of anticipation. I had looked for that letter on the internet in recent years a few times and was never able to find it. I prayed in that moment that God would let me see that letter again, and if he did, I absolutely would include it in the book. So I got home and I typed into the Google search bar the only words that I remembered from that letter. I am God. Believe it and be satisfied. There it was, right in front of me, the exact letter that I had previously lost years before. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I noticed that there were actually pages and pages of this letter on the internet. I have no idea who posted it on the internet originally. The internet reference that I opened amused me because it said that the letter was originally posted on an online blog. But God had given it to me in 1979, long before the internet was even thought of. By now, it's likely the tens of thousands of people have read this love letter. You may even find this letter to be familiar. I love hearing stories of people who have been blessed by this letter that I never even knew. But this is the true story of its origin, and it's the beginning of my love story with the Lord. When I was in college, I had a boyfriend whom I worshipped. He was a Christian, and I wasn't yet but he was everything to me. It was the end of 1979, and we had been together for about a year. I was a member of a campus club that was participating in a planning retreat at a camp one weekend. Maureen was a couple years older than me, and she was assigned as my roommate. She was at this retreat representing a different campus group from the same university. We talked all night about God's love and his free gift of salvation. In the wee hours of the morning, I accepted Christ. When I got back from that weekend, I was excited to share my decision with my boyfriend. He had some news for me, too. He told me that all weekend he had gotten the sense that God wanted him to break up with me. He didn't know why, but felt strongly that he needed to do it. I was devastated. I immediately called Maureen, and she told me that she was expecting my call. God had told her that my boyfriend was going to break up with me, 
and she had a letter for me. It was a letter from God about how he needed to be my true love. It was exactly what I needed. Maureen worked and prayed with me for several months, discipling me from the Bible and helping me learn more about God. Just when I was feeling better, I called Maureen on the same number that I had been calling her for months, and a strange guy answered the phone. He said that they didn't know who Maureen was and that they had had that number all year. I was confused. I searched for her contact information in the school registration office and could find no record of her. It seemed like she didn't exist. Had God used an angel to lead me to him? I had always thought so. Hebrews 13.2 says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without even realizing it. I had that dog-eared letter for years and gave copies of it away to dozens of people who had broken hearts and needed to know that God loved them. A part of me thought that we would get back together when we were both spiritually ready, but that wasn't God's plan. George and I were married seven years later. As soon as I moved into our newlywed home, I lost the letter. It had been in my Bible all that time, and then suddenly it was gone. I was heartbroken. It had become one of my treasured possessions. I had guessed that I lost it because God felt like I didn't need it anymore. But I had thought of it often. It had been lost to me for 25 years. Here is that love letter. Everyone longs to give themselves completely to someone, to have a deep soul relationship with another, to be loved thoroughly and exclusively. But God to a Christian says, No, not until you are satisfied and fulfilled and content with being loved by me alone. I love you, my child, and until you discover that only in me is your satisfaction to be found, you will not be capable of the perfect human relationships that I have planned for you. You will never be united with another until you are united with me, exclusive of anyone or anything else, exclusive of any other desires or longings. I want you to stop planning, stop wishing, and allow me to give you the most thrilling plan existing, one that you cannot imagine. I want you to have the best. Please allow me to bring it to you. Just keep experiencing that satisfaction knowing that I am. Keep learning and listening to the things I tell you. You must wait. Don't be anxious. Don't worry. Don't look around at the things others have gotten or that I have given them. Don't look at the things you think you want. You just keep looking off and away up to me or you will miss what I want to show you. And then, when you're ready, I'll surprise you with a love far more wonderful than any would ever dream. You see, until you are ready and until the one I have for you is ready, I am working even at this very moment to have both of you ready at the same time. Until you are both satisfied exclusively with me and with the life I have prepared for you, you won't be able to experience the love that exemplifies your relationship with me. And this is perfect love. And dear one, I want you to have this most wonderful love. I want you to see in the flesh a picture of your relationship with me and to enjoy materially and concretely the everlasting union of beauty and perfection and love that I offer you with myself. Know that I love you utterly. I am God. Believe it and be satisfied.
What's really interesting to me is that within days of getting saved, the Lord gave me my first journal entry, my first my first direct message from Him, and now my life's mission is to teach people how to receive messages like this. There were a lot of absolute words in that letter. I'm not sure if you noticed, but the word satisfied or satisfaction showed up 10 times in that one love letter. God's love leads to complete and utter satisfaction. Before we go very much farther, I believe that the Maureen story begs an update, and I think you'll appreciate this bunny trail. Once I learned how to have direct Jesus encounters in my special place, the Lord used those experiences to heal me of some heart wounds. I will share more about how that works in a future podcast. But here's an experience that I had with the Lord that proved to me that Maureen was my angel and that the Lord wrote this letter to me personally as my first journal message from him only days after I was saved. In 2016, I was working on a deliverance class called Prayers That Heal the Heart for my doctorate. I met Jesus in my special place in the Spirit. He and I walked up the hill to the Sea of Galilee. Then we laid on the ground and we were looking and laughing at the clouds. Jesus thought one looked like an elephant, and I thought it looked like a duck. One of the healing strategies for deliverance is to have the Lord take you to a past memory and walk you through a healing process with you. I was thinking about that when the Lord said, You can ask me to show you anything that you want to have healed. And I responded, Lord, please take me back to my heartbreak right after my salvation decision. Immediately, I was back in my college dorm room, watching my younger self and Jesus as the scene played out. I felt a bit like Scrooge in A Christmas Carol there in both versions of myself. I saw myself crying face down on my bed in my dorm room. I looked around and could see with great detail everything that that room looked like back then. I saw Jesus lying next to me as I sobbed, and he was whispering in my ear. I walked over closer so I could hear what he was saying. He was speaking that love letter, word for word. At the same moment, I saw words being typed in the upper right corner of my mind's eye. As Jesus spoke the words, they were appearing on a paper in heaven. Then the Lord gave me short vignette glimpses of Maureen and I as she gave the letter to me and others of us studying the word together. Then I saw myself in the dorm room trying to call her on the wall phone. Jesus was standing next to me, but I didn't realize that at the time. I saw myself talking to the guy who answered the phone. I looked confused when he said that he had had that number all school year. As I heard myself talking to him, Jesus was whispering in my ear, you don't need her anymore, you have me. He was repeating that in my ear as I hung up the phone and lost confusion. The watching me said, wow, Lord, that really helps me understand the situation so much more. You were there with me the entire time. Please show me Maureen now so that I can thank her for what she did for me. Suddenly, we were back in the secret place, still lying on the grass, and we sat up on the hill and he pointed toward the sea and I saw Maureen walking up the hill to greet us. She was dressed in a Roman dress with a breastplate of armor and had long, dark, and flowing hair. She looked a bit like I remember her, but she didn't have glasses. She still looked young. She hugged me 
and as I hugged her, I could feel her wings, soft, strong, and powerful. She had a meekness about her, strength under control. Then the Lord showed me short images of Maureen and me as a child sitting on my bed when I was crying because I could hear my parents fighting. And then another where she was sitting next to me and laughing as my sibs and I were hanging our feet off the back of our blue station wagon. And I saw her with Jesus when he gave her the letter and the assignment to share it with me in heaven. Just like me, she's been with you all along. She's your guardian angel, Jesus said. I thanked them both and cried. It was an overwhelming vision. And I thanked the Lord so much for Maureen. She and I have had many adventures together since then. No doubt you will hear of others if you continue to listen to this podcast. Ask, seek, and knock, and you can have Jesus' adventures like this, too. Everything that God does is motivated by love. Love is not a thing he feels, it's who he is. The entire Bible is one elaborate love story. When taking the Biblical Research Methods class for my doctorate, I was to research a topic extensively using a variety of biblical research tools. Initially, when I sought the Lord's guidance for this project, the Lord just gave me the word love. Love is such a big word. This topic category was overwhelming for me. I consulted the Lord through journaling, and this is what he said. Patty Cake, I want you to know the meaning of the love I wrote to you about in the letter I gave you when you were saved. Look at it again. Follow the trail that it takes you. I speak in it of an everlasting love. Look at this letter and the key aspects of love that are in it. They are the ones I want you to explore. Make this a personal journey. When you learn more about my love, you will be more able to love. I am God. Believe it and be satisfied. Your journey begins as it did for you in 1979. With that first love letter, it will show you the way. It's astonishing to me how many times the Lord has spoken to me through this love letter. And here it was again, the central resource for a biblical research project on love. That journey would turn into an intertwining understanding of what love has to do with our callings. After this biblical research assignment, I was able to see more layers of the meaning of that love letter. Now I can see that being satisfied, fulfilled, and content in this life is related to the closeness of my relationship with God. The more I encounter the Lord personally, the more I can see, feel, and think like Him. The more His love is real to me, and the more I can walk in His love and trust Him with everything. The letter shows me that God is all and is in all. You cannot love anyone properly or at all aside from God, least of all yourself. Love comes from God and flows to you and then out to others. This is how and why all kingdom service needs to be anchored in love. Fruit bearing can only come with surrender, humility, and faith that comes from conforming your hearts to God's heart. This is his transformational way. God had me share this letter with you because even though he gave it to me, it's for you too. God created all of us to desire to be loved thoroughly and exclusively. Apart from God, it's impossible to be loved the way he created you to need love. You must find your way to the author of love. 
God wants to be your one true love, exclusive of anything or anyone else. He is saying that he wants you to lay down all the idols in your heart and fix your eyes on him alone. The more you are with Jesus, the more you will become like him and the more useful you will be to the kingdom. God shared with me that satisfaction comes from knowing that I am. This kind of knowing is the most personal type. He wants you to have the satisfaction of his very presence in your life too. You tend to trust people that you know, like, and have found to be honest and trustworthy. This trust can only grow with time and intimacy together. Your faith comes from trusting him alone in the same way that it would grow for other people. The only difference is his perfection. He will never let you down. God is preparing you to keep watching, looking, and keep your eyes on him always so you don't miss what he has for you and go off on bunny trails of distraction. When you begin to have experiences with God's love by specific name encounters in your spiritual place, your heart and soul will begin to anchor soundly in God's love. The more experiences you have with him in your heart, the more your soul will trust him and you will change. God's omnibenevolence actually defines his love. Remember that the word omni means all, which is an absolute word. And if you look up the word benevolence in the power thesaurus, you'll get a list of words that include all those in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Notice that it's called the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. Trees don't bear different types of fruit. They bear one kind of fruit. So God is all of those things wrapped up in one God. He does not and cannot separate any of these characteristics from each other. When we reflect on God's nature, we will look at all of these things. Wouldn't you feel better with a little peace, self-control, or kindness in your life? When researching God's love and its connection with omnibenevolence, I came to the realization that no matter what I do or have done or will do, God loves me. His love is not an emotion in the sense that we usually box in the word. God can't love me less if he tried because it's not something he does or feels, it's who he is. Because God is unchangeable, he simply can't love me less than perfectly, unconditionally, and wonderfully. 1 John 4.16 says, We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. What a relief that you and I don't have to be perfect to earn God's love. God was loved before he laid the foundations of the earth, before you were a glimmer in your mother's eye. He is loved now when you mess up, and even when you don't feel it. He will be loved forever, long after this earth has gone away. God wants you to stop planning and stop wishing. Planning and wishing imply that you're in the driver's seat. That's striving instead of trusting and resting in him. That's what it looks like to be swimming against the wind and the waves. God wants you to listen, 
wait, and only act when you feel compelled by his compassionate love. He wants you to trust him with your life, and when you do, he will begin to reveal the thrilling plan that he has for you, and he will always prepare you, ready you for that job, and he's doing so right now. God's plan will be greater than you could ever imagine for yourself, because if you could do it yourself in your own strength, then it's too small to be from God. The good plans promised to every believer in Jeremiah 29:11, and they are God's best plans. He wants you to have the best. God is revealing in this letter that you need to cooperate with him to have this fruitful future. He says, please allow me to bring it to you. This means to have a spirit of partnership with the Lord on these plans. If you take your eyes off him, you could forfeit this future. You need to make sure that you don't get in his way or disallow the Holy Spirit from doing his job. God says that satisfaction comes from knowing that I am. This kind of knowing is a personal type. He wants you to have the satisfaction of his very presence in your life. You need to have the faith that comes from trusting him. You trust people that you know, like, and have found to be believable and trustworthy. This trust can only grow with time and relationship. You prepare for his best plans by watching, looking, keeping your eyes on him at all times, so you don't miss what he has for you. Stay the course. God says that to me so many times in my personal journals. The Lord doesn't want you to look at or compare yourself with other people. He doesn't want anything to take your eyes off him. And then when he decides you're ready, he will surprise you with the perfect love. This is a combination of the intimate love relationship with him and the compassion-motivated calling that he's connecting you to and the impact that awaits you. That's the thrilling plan that he has for you in Jeremiah 29:11. He closes the letter reminding us to know that he loves you utterly, believe him, and be satisfied. Here's a metaphor that Jesus gave me to help you understand how God's math works related to callings and love. Jesus and I were standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee when he handed me a small translucent stone of light. It was warm in my hand and had a holographic nature. When I moved it, I could see changing words that were there and not there, love, peace, joy. These are all fruit of the spirit words. They were God's character, his glory in a stone. The stone was warm, a comforting kind of warm, like a blanket right out of the dryer and wrapped around you on a cold and dreary fall day. Comforting, like the comforter. It felt good in my hand. Then Jesus told me to fling it into the sea like you would a skipping stone. I didn't want to throw it away because it felt precious to me, but I did because the Lord wanted me to. I held the stone between my thumb and finger, rubbing the warm, smooth surface, then flicked it with my wrist. It flew and landed on top of the water. Unexpectedly, as soon as it hit the surface, it multiplied to five stones, not dropping into the water, but still lit up on the water's surface. Each stone created ripple rings all at once. Then the five stones multiplied again and repeated the pattern, multiplying, skipping, creating rings, multiplying, skipping, creating rings, until the lights and the ripples filled the whole sea as far as my eye could see. I was struck by the beauty and power of it. I turned to Jesus and asked him what it meant, and Jesus answered. 
This is the multiplying effect of people finding me and being changed by my love. The stones represent people moved so much by my love that they contagiously share it in their own unique ways, just as I've created them to do. Your calling is to show people the way to that love. God is a God of multiplication. I hadn't noticed it because I was distracted by the beauty, but then I realized I had another stone in my hand. Jesus said, every stone is an opportunity, a new encounter, an intervention to help people find my love. Abide in me and listen to my voice, for these are opportunities to throw the next stone and start the beauty all over again. Then the Lord led me to 2 Thessalonians 1:11. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and your every deed prompted by faith. Thank you that you are a God of multiplication and that your love spreads to the multitudes. Thank you, Lord, that you trust me with this priceless stone of your truth. Equip me, Lord, to be a good steward of these precious stones. In Jesus' name, amen. Then I asked the Lord to help me understand more about the connection between our compassion and our callings. What does the love letter have to do with a life purpose? And the Lord answered, Love is what everything I do is all about. So it's what you and all believers are all about. I've created you to show people the way, to help them tap into their own plans and purposes that I have for them. Remember to be a guide. You need to become an expert in the terrain. The love letter shows the benefits, the outcome of the perfect love connection between me and you, me and any believer. Your job is to learn the terrain and help people sense my heart and grow close enough to me to trust me with plans that I have for their lives. You can't do that until it becomes second nature for you. Learning this lesson is your job now. Most people think inaccurately about what a calling is. People think that they are serving according to their calling if they are serving the Lord in areas of their personal passion That is their own motivation that comes from themselves. This kind of service is without the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. They inaccurately feel as though I will come alongside them because their motivation is to serve me. This mindset leads to burnout, frustration, and a sense of martyr's pride. It comes from striving and not resting. The key difference here is that they have a what focus and not a why focus. They think that what they do is the key. People, especially in the Western culture, get wrapped up in their identities based on what they do for a living. This is not important to me. The important thing is why, the motivation to reach the lost and hurting people, and the who they are becoming. In order to find your calling, you need to find your God. And when you connect my heart with your heart, you become transformed, and I will move accordingly. Okay, Lord, I'm beginning to see what you're talking about. Now speak to me about the love letter as it relates to this truth. People get caught up in this world as if this is the only world. This world was created only for the next world, heaven. Your challenge is to help people understand their plans, their own way to the Father. The letter speaks of a thrilling plan and of the one true love. 
People cannot have satisfaction in this life until they find satisfaction in me. They can't love others properly or do what they were gifted to do without my anointing power. Satisfaction in this life is wrapped up in learning that it's not about this life at all. It's about me. Tapping into my love, power, and direction all comes from clearly seeing how you fit into my kingdom plan like a puzzle piece in the big overall puzzle. Help them to find the way, the flow, the ocean waves, the wind in their sails that carries them to their niche, their unique fit, and you will have fulfilled your calling and found your way. Faith, hope, trust, and love, and all the other love characteristics you're discovering along the way are the breadcrumbs to following when finding the way. Okay, are you ready to encounter God and ask him about your calling? If this is your first podcast listening experience and you don't know how to dialogue journal, you may want to pause and go back to the trailer episode and listen to that so that you may have the biblical foundation that we use and learn the four keys to experiencing Jesus through the skill of dialogue journaling. In that episode, you establish your spiritual special place, which is an anchor for all future encounters. It is really helpful for you to come as a child to your special place. And there's more information about that on that episode and on our episode two about childlike faith. It's also important to find a quiet place and to posture your heart before doing an encounter by worshiping, breathing slowly, relaxing, and getting comfortable. In this encounter, you and the Lord will have an opportunity to share love letters with each other. And then you'll be able to ask him specific questions about how he has created you and how he wants to use you in his kingdom plan that will give you clarity about your personal calling. When your heart is properly postured, I want you to go to the special place again as a child. Continue looking and sensing there every time you go, because oftentimes the Lord expands your special place and gives you much more detail. See Jesus there and play with him. Allow him to direct that play and just enjoy him and have fun with him. Then I want you to tell him how much you love him and give him, in a sense, a love letter with your praise and with your worship. Tell him how you feel about him, what you appreciate, and list and thank him for the blessings in your life. Then allow him to give you a personal love letter. Let him give you this letter in his way. It may surprise you how he gives this to you. Listen, look, and sense what he has to say to you about how he loves you. And then I want you to ask him what he has created you for and what he wants to use you for in his kingdom plan. Take in all of that information, capture it in your journal, spend as much time with him as you need, and make sure you ask as many questions as you like to be clear about what it is that he's trying to say. And then make sure you remember to thank and praise him for what he's given you 
and capture the entire thing in your journal. I pray that you were blessed by your encountering experience with God about how much he loves you and got some clarity about how he's created you for his kingdom plan. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.